We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, February 9th. Usaid, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. We're obviously in mid-February, so we got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. And then from there on out, it's going to be draft season pretty much in full swing. Yeah, we had just had a Senior Bowl coming off of that this week. We have the Super Bowl on Sunday. So it really feels like a last final hoorah for uh, this 2021 uh, season before we transition fully into the offseason. So uh, really looking forward to the Super Bowl. I got getting preparations set up for that as we speak for uh, getting some friends and family over to watch that. So really excited to watch the Rams and Bengals uh, go after it there in the final game of the season. And, you know, we'll be getting an NFL champion um, at the conclusion of that. A lot of great storylines to go along with that. So really exciting stuff there. But, uh, you know, the focus for today's episode, of course, will be uh, recapping the Senior Bowl that just occurred this past week during uh, what was basically the bye week for uh, the NFL. I mean, you had the Pro Bowl and all that stuff going on. But honestly, who cares about the Pro Bowl? It's, it's really a waste of time when you, when you really break it down. But the Senior Bowl, a lot of great stuff with that. Um, you know, neither of us were able to make it down there to the Senior Bowl. Um, and, you know, we have a guest on today that we'll get to in a little bit who was at the Senior Bowl, was able to glean a little bit of information uh, for us there um, that we were able to talk to for a little bit. But just from your observation, you said anything you, that you want to take away here from uh, what you heard about the Senior Bowl or anything that you've seen on the Senior Bowl um, from just anything that you've, you've observed on Twitter and online and anything that you've seen in terms of following the event as a whole. Yeah, you know, I, I want to take a step back and just really talk about the quarterbacks real quick because, and again, we'll get more into it with our guests here in a couple of minutes, but just from my perspective alone, when I compare this to senior bowls in the past, and especially the one last year, I mean, I think a lot of people tend to forget, like last year at the senior bowl, everyone's eyes were on Mac Jones and Essentially, what happened is the big question revolving around Mac Jones last year at this time was, is Mac Jones legit or is he just a product of the talent around him at Alabama? You know, because he did have guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle as well as a really good offensive line. And then Mac kind of went into the senior bowl and proved, hey, no, I'm for real. I am not just a product of the talent around me. But when you talk about the quarterback class this year, as we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast, I mean, it's very clear that these guys like Malik Willis, Carson Strong, Kenny Pickett, Bailey Zappi, you know, they're not as good as quarterbacks that have come out basically the last two to three seasons. And so I think my biggest takeaway this year is that from the senior bowl this year is that it's hard to justify drafting a quarterback in 2022, knowing that, you know, these guys do have 
limited upside and it's an incredibly risky kind of prospect to draft a QB this year. Now I will say this is that if you're a team that is looking to find a franchise quarterback and you know, you're not going to be competitive going into 2022, you know what, knowing that in 2023, you're going to have guys like Jaden Daniels and Bryce young coming up the pipeline. Hopefully maybe it makes sense to just hold it off a year and draft the quarterback. Then obviously, you know, you're that at that point, you're playing with hypotheticals, but just seeing the overall composition of this QB class, I would say it's not really inspiring by any means and that it's going to be a very tough sell for people in NFL front offices. Yeah. Uninspiring, I think is kind of the perfect word for this quarterback class. And I'm not, you know, it doesn't mean that none of these guys won't work out and be starting, you know, franchise NFL quarterbacks for their respective teams. Like I go back to the 2017 NFL draft, for instance, that was not considered a, a very highly thought of draft class going into it. And you look at that in hindsight, I mean, obviously Trubisky ended up being a bust with the bears, but I mean, Mahomes, he's the best quarterback in football has been for pretty much ever since he took over as a starter for the chiefs in 2018 and Deshaun Watson before all of you know his issues uh, that we really don't need to be going into in this podcast, but for, you know, shit hit the fans, so to speak, with uh, his situation. Um, he was one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, when he, if he eventually plays again or when he eventually plays again, he's going to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL um, when he does get back in place. So um, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, we really don't know when it comes to quarterback evaluation, when it often comes down to it. You know, I go back to, I think, 2020 draft. Uh, with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Um, obviously, there was a lot of hype for Joe Burrow, but you know, at the time, Justin Herbert, and myself, and myself included, um, you know, was getting dunked on by a lot of people when the Chargers picked Justin Herbert because you know he was kind of getting billed in as by a lot of people as kind of like the next big time quarterback bus, as the next you know Mitch Trubisky, so to speak, um, because there were some concerning things on tape, and he gets the NFL, and um, you know, who, I mean, he might just very well be the next. Uh, best quarterback in the NFL coming up soon. Um, and it's only in his second year now, going into his third year. So at the end of the day, with a lot of these guys, you just don't know. But I think it's fair to say that from what we've seen from a lot of evaluators that you know this quarterback class, like you mentioned, it is not um, as good as last year's draft class of quarterbacks where you had five first-round picks. Um, you know, I think of the, of the guys that, especially at the Senior Bowl, uh, you look at a guy like Malik Willis and all the physical tools that he has and the playmaking ability that he has put on display. I, I think if you are a team in the first round looking for a quarterback and you're not really in love with any of these guys, you know, what's the next best thing that you can bet on, you know, bet on guys with high upside with physical tools that can translate to the next level. I think I got like Malik Willis has that um, Sam Howell has been in, in the conversation for uh, being a first round pick for a while. Now we know he's got, uh, pretty good arm talent and he's got a lot of experience from his time in North Carolina. So uh, those are guys that I think are going to be talked about quite a bit. Obviously, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, uh, Desmond Ritter to a degree are some other names in conversation for a first round pick, but yeah, not necessarily a great draft class for that. You know, sticking back to the senior bowl here, I know that, you know, one of the takeaways I have from just my limited time following it is that, you know, this pass rusher, class is just ridiculously deep and talented and look at some of the guys that were at the senior bowl uh, uh Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia guy that really stood out this week uh one guy that caught my eye from this limited clips that I was able to see was Travis Jones out of UConn kind of a nose tackle guy that kind of came out of nowhere and it, you just go down the list of some of these edge rushers uh Johnson out of uh Florida State uh Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State a guy that um I kind of like as a situational pass rusher um, has some nice one-on-one uh, -on -one reps from what I've seen um, throughout the week. Logan Hall out of Houston had some nice reps throughout the week. So there were a bun bunch of guys, uh, Winfrey out of Oklahoma, like uh, a lot of talented pass rushers at the Senior Bowl from what I saw. And I'm excited to uh, get to our guest here. I guess I'll formally introduce our guest for uh, today's episode. And that's Brandon Robson at Windy City Gridiron. Does a lot of stuff with their podcasting there, um, as well as some film work for uh, the Windy City Gridiron. So he's our guest for today's episode. He was um, one of the guys that was down at the Senior Bowl this past week um, in Mobile, Alabama, uh, getting to see these guys up close. So uh, we're really excited to talk with him and go more in depth here because we can talk all day about you know some of the clips that we saw from the Senior Bowl on Twitter and whatnot. But I, I can attest from you know being there last year 
it's a different experience being at the senior bowl live and getting to see these guys up close getting to see um how they work with coaching staffs and getting to see how they interact with their teammates uh throughout the course of these practices and and it's just different getting to see these guys go after it live right in front of you so i uh, really excited to get to our conversation that we had with uh brandon robinson uh here is our discussion on the senior bowl with brandon robinson from Louis city gridiron we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bears fans, welcome back into the Picks for Pulls podcast. We got our guest here for today's episode, Brandon Robson from over at the Windy City Gridiron. He's here to talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl today. And he was down there in Mobile, Alabama this past week. So without further ado, uh, Brandon, glad to have you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Obviously, uh, the Senior Bowl, it's become a bit of a you know, huge point in the NFL season, especially the draft season. It's kind of the event that kicks off everything. So before we get into like the nitty gritty of, you know, breaking down some of the prospects at the Senior Bowl in Mobile uh, this past week, I just got to say, you know, I was at the Senior Bowl last year. It was a bit of a, you know, it, different experience compared to, I think, what they've mostly done because of uh, COVID protocols that they had going on during it last year. But I, I got to ask you, man, uh, was this your first trip down to Mobile? Because, you know, it, for me, it was a pretty surreal experience last year. So uh, I guess the first thing here is how was your senior bowl experience as a whole? Right, right, right. Yeah, it was my first first experience uh, down in the senior bowl. I've been around football like my entire life, still around football. Um, but like just always like imagining being down there and like meeting up with people that you like, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. I'm sure you can speak to this. It's a bit overwhelming, but it's so cool at the same time, just because like you talk with these people on basically a day-to-day -day basis and then just putting a, a name or a, like a Twitter account to a face. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I think for me, the thing last year was getting to meet up with uh, Nicholas Mariano over mm -hmm. at Audible. Um, I think he went down, he went down there for, I think a day or two this year as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I was actually with him like the entire time. Very, very good dude. Yeah, absolutely, great dude. And I mean, we we loved having him on last year as well. Also got to meet Jacob Infante, fellow uh, WCG member, when well, we were both down there as well at the Senior Bowl. So it's it's always fun, uh, like you said, getting to meet some other guys that you kind of interact with on on Bears Twitter. I know you know don't really get to see each other in person a lot, obviously, since we're all mm -hmm. in different parts of the country. So it's really cool to come together at a big event like that and just you know eat drink and sleep football for basically an entire week it, it's definitely it's right. a experience overall but you know let's get into breaking down some of these prospects and you know one of the big storylines for the bears this offseason is going to be what they do at wide receiver you know Darnell Mooney the only starter coming back under contract for them uh they they need not only you know two more starters but just more young depth I think at the position as a whole when you look at this roster so um, I, I know it's not like you were primarily focusing at wide receivers throughout the senior bowl. So for you, who are some of the wide receivers that, that uh, stood out for you uh, during the practices this past week? Right. So going into the senior bowl, I had Jahan Dodson, Penn State wide receiver circled, and he opted out like two days prior to the senior bowl. Um, so going into it, I had pretty much an open mind just because I, I planned on really watching him. Um, the guy that really stood out, uh, as you 
most people that are watching this probably have heard already because it, it's just glaringly obvious. But was Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State, 6'4", 215. Um, the guy just really gets it. I'm not one of those people that just, like, watches a guy, like, how he moves and whatnot. But, like, with a guy like him, it's just something about him just really sticks out. Um, the way – just the way he carries himself, the way he works – um just one of those guys that like you just feel like he can't fail um just a hard worker like just seems like he wants to do all the right things um really good route runner fast um really detailed in his route running good blocker like that's one of the another one of those things I just don't really pay attention to but when a guy's just working so hard to block downfield 20 yards downfield because the the cool thing is um, that you would notice with him is he was running, running, running the cornerbacks off hard. So that's one, one big thing that a lot of wide receivers don't do well is running cornerbacks off. And by running them off, that means like you're running, like you're running a fade so that you're giving cushion in the run game and then blocking. And you, you saw with him time and time again, that he was doing so well with that. And it, it makes sense because he, he comes from North, North Dakota state where they run the ball so much it makes sense that they, that they really hone in on that. Uh, another guy that really stood out to me was Calvin Austin, Memphis wide receiver. I had never even heard of him before I, was, before I went down there. Uh, I remember his, his very first route. He absolutely cooked one of the corners. I was like, oh, like, let me make note of this guy. And then just as watching him over and over again, like he just could not be guarded in one-on-ones. Like, he, he may be five, seven, but like he was not guarded like probably a single time in one on one. Like it was, it was incredible watching. Honestly, it's, he's probably the best route run I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it, it was, it was crazy. Um, he's a guy that's going to go later in the draft um, just because of his height. But man, like when you look at like receivers that last long in the league that offer other things like returnability, like, he he's one of he's one of those guys and just and just like Christian Watson like he would like in between reps he was side by side with the coaching staff the entire time asking questions getting feedback like just consistently all right so switching over from wide receiver to cornerback I think the cream of the crop this year when it comes to cornerbacks you certainly have guys like Derek Singley Jr. Andrew Booth both from LSU and Clemson. Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati is the third one, but just specific to the senior bowl. I mean, how did the quarterbacks do down there? Were there any names that, you know, you were keeping an eye on Brandon? Cause it seems like a prospect like a Roger McCreary or a Trent McDuffie. I think McCreary was one of the guys that was there kind of had a really strong week. Yeah. McCreary really stood out. Um, just an absolute competitor. A lot of people had doubts on his arm length because arm length came in short because they, they do all their measurements at the senior bowl to get the official numbers on that. Uh, but you could, you couldn't tell by how he was playing at all. You couldn't, you couldn't see the arm length. He was pressing consistently, did a very well job, very good job there. Um, as far as the fit with the bears, um, if you're talking about maximizing value, I don't necessarily think that he would be that guy um, just because like th- they're coming, they're bringing the Tampa two over here, basically. So there's going to be a lot of zone coverage. He's a, he's a man corner. Like you, you can't do wrong by, by drafting him. But I think if a team was really smart, like honestly, he should be a first round guy. I don't expect him to be unless he tests really well on the 40 and whatnot. Uh, but he, he should, he should be a first round guy. Um, Darion Kendrick is a guy that I wanted to keep an eye on cornerback out of Georgia, really long, long guy that's the first thing that stood out when, when you're walking onto the field looking at the corners was like oh who's this guy with really long arms it's like oh number 12 the guy the guy from Georgia Darion Kendrick um he didn't have the best week uh, I was looking forward to him like me and uh Robert Smith were watching this film before the night before the first practice and uh just raving about him but like he didn't he didn't perform well um the thing is about that is he's probably gonna end up being a zone corner like it was even in his one-on-one reps, you could tell like the amount of time he takes into to thinking about leverage on a receiver, um, which is like which are like zone instincts. Um, so I think that'll translate well. But as far as being a man guy, he's just not it, and he didn't have 
a good good week. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, because after after a rough week, I, I would think that he would go later, but just because he went he went to Georgia, he might go a little a little bit higher than what he should. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I know speaking from experience, the the, the cornerbacks, you know, when you get to the one-on-one uh, drills for wide receivers and DBs going at it, it can be very favorable for the wide receivers because mm-hmm. they're in isolation. It's man-to-man. They don't have any safety help. Um, there's no help with any scheme or going. It's really just, you know, one guy going up, going up against the other guy and who's going to win that rep. And it's extremely favorable to the wide receivers. So if you're a cornerback and if you're, from my at least from my viewpoint, if you're sticking – at all in coverage of wide receivers, you know, that, that's something to kind of keep note because uh, it, it, it's a really favorable environment for wide receivers. I'm not sure if that's something that you kind of took note of um, while there, but you mentioned for a guy like Kendrick, you know, probably not the best environment for him um, because he's probably more of a better fit in his own environment. And you go to more of the senior bowl and you're, you're in one-on-ones, you know, that's, that's strictly a man-based um you know, situation right there. So kind of a, a tough gauge, I think, for a lot of these guys who may be a better fit in zone schemes, but you know, it's still more information for us to kind of gather on, you know, who can hold up in man on man coverage if we're in an isolated situation like that against wide receivers. And for wide receiver, obviously it's, you know, who has that ability to get open and separate in those one-on-one situations. So there's still a lot to glean in there, but I, I want to transition away from the wide receivers and DBs because I know that's where your main focus was, but uh, you know, we have to talk about the trenches and go there because, you know, the offensive line, it's going to be a big need for the Bears once again. And I know they invested uh, two picks in last year's draft and tackles with Tevin Jenkins, and Larry Borum. You know, we still there's still a lot of information to be gathered on whether those guys are going to be long term pieces for the Bears or not. But, you, you know, they have a couple of free agents coming up with James Daniels being the big one. Uh, Cody Whitehair not quite having his best season to date. Um, in 2021 so the offensive line a position that's a little bit in flux here Ryan Poles the new general manager kind of mentioned uh, that you know the offensive line is going to be a big point of emphasis for him uh, moving forward and kind of trying to bring more of a violent uh, attitude back to that offensive line group so looking at this group here at the senior bowl uh, were there any offensive linemen to you that kind of stood out when going back and watching some of the tape of these guys yeah uh, Trevor Penning offensive tackle Northern Iowa really stood out um, <laughs> he really stood out just because of his, his mean streak. Like he wasn't winning all of the, all of the reps, but he was, he was one of those guys that's going back and forth with, with the defensive lineman, like every single rep, like one of the, one of those guys, you know, is just getting in fights during practice, um, <laughs> which, which is just, just something that I made note of and and probably a, a lot of other people did as well. Um, he's, he's really tall, really long. Um, not the most technical guy, as you can imagine, going coming from a smaller school, but he's he's a guy that that could definitely be in the Bears range that I would be very interested in, just because based on what Ryan Poles says, like it, it's just hard to really know what they're gonna do with the offensive line. Um, like what what exactly what type of guys they're gonna bring in, like just based on who the who the Chiefs acquired recently, you think they're going to bring in bigger offensive line guys, which is a guy like Penning, like 6'7". Like, you're going to think they're going to be interested in those type of guys. So, switching from offensive line, how about those pass rushers down at the Senior Bowl? Because this is just across the board. It is a pretty deep group of pass rushers. We have Kayvon Thibodeau as well as Aiden Hutchinson at the top. But just, you know, who separated themselves the most from the pack in Mobile? Right. Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, edge rusher, really stood out. He was a guy I made note of earlier in the process that I just didn't understand why he wasn't being touted as a first-round guy. Like, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, so I was very interested to see how he performed in Mobile, and he just completely dominated. He was just one of those guys that looked like basically like he didn't belong there. Like, he was on a completely different tier of player than all the other edge rushers and offensive linemen there, just completely – just powerful and more athletic than a lot of the other guys. I was really, really impressed with him. Yeah, it seemed like one guy that kept on coming up uh, was Travis Jones out of UConn. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a guy who's kind of considered more of a nose tackle type going into this thing. But you look at what he did in, in the one-on-ones, it sounded like 
uh, you know, guys just could not handle his power there. So what were some of the things you saw out of, out of Jones specifically when you got the chance to kind of see some of his reps because Bears mm-hmm. shifting to more of a, you know, I, I know that, you know, fronts don't really matter as much in terms of the 4-3, three, 3-4 three, of aspect of things anymore because nickel is the new base in the modern NFL. But, you know, and that's still, you know, in Eberflus' defensive system, uh, defensive scheme, you know, that one technique, nose tackle type of guy is still very important, not only sh- shutting down the run game, but also in passing downs, getting some pass rush push as well. So uh, what were some of the things you saw out of him when you got the chance to watch some of his reps? So I thought he was pretty inconsistent. Um, when he did flash, he, like he was explosive. Like you, you can tell he's a guy that's going to test really well at the combine. Um, really tall, really long. Um, honestly, when I, when I was watching him, it made me think of like a Vic Fangio type uh, interior defensive end type guy, just like a five tech, just because of, just because of his length and whatnot. Um, I know the three tech position is just uh, so important in Ember Flus's defense. They obviously made the trade for DeForest Buckner, made a big investment into that three tech position because that's the position that, that uh, frees up the will linebacker, which will probably be Roquan Smith. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how much they invest in that position. Uh, I know they have Angelo Blackson, who really flashed to me year one. It'll be interesting to see like how they evaluate his play and how they position to see how he'll um, play in the Bears defense. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask like a quick follow up there. But, you know, in terms of some of the defensive linemen down there, knowing that the Bears only have the five draft picks, do you kind of see – in terms of the way it sounds like Ryan Poles is going to build his roster, do you see anyone at the senior bowl being a possible target for the bears on day three in terms of D line? Uh, as far as day three goes, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a whole lot of sure, just to be honest with you. Um, I know there was an Arkansas kid that kind of stood out as far as like a, a one tech, um, I'm failing to remember what his name is. Um, Ridgeway, he was, what'd you say? Ridgeway, I think it, it was. Yes, there. yeah, yeah, Ridgeway. Yeah, yeah, That was the guy that really – Robert was the first one to put his eyes on him, uh, really stood out to him. I think he's like 6'5", 320, uh, really tall, really long, same deal, but probably like a one-tech type of guy. It'll be like Eddie Goldman will be a hot topic just because most people expect him to be to be cut this offseason just because he has an out. Um, he's a zero-tech type of guy so you really wonder like that one tech is probably going to play a lot more reps than a goldman's used to um there are a lot of questions about how much how much how much more he wants to play the game um so probably not a guy you would want an 11 million dollar cap hit on whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, certainly the defensive line is going to be a position in flux for the Bears. I think more of a position that's a bigger need than a lot of Bears fans kind of anticipate going into the offseason, but uh, certainly one to keep an eye on uh, as the draft kind of rolls around here. But uh, shifting the discussion away from, you know, need uh, positions that are needs for the Bears, uh, you know, the base conversation point, I guess, at the Senior Bowl for you know pretty much every year is the quarterback position. And so if we go to that position here now, um, you know, a lot of has been made about this being kind of a weaker class uh, this year. And it's been talks about ad nauseum. I feel like how it's, it doesn't compare to last year's class where you had five legitimate first round uh, talent quarterbacks in the draft with 
you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, obviously Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and, and Mac Jones kind of sneaking in late in the process into the first round. Um, you know, not quite the same thing this year. So, um, you know, there are a lot of big name guys at Senior Bowl this year. Uh, what were some of your general takeaways from this group and, and seeing some of these guys live? You know, who's the most impressive and, and who's the guy that kind of didn't really live up to his pre-draft hype, so to speak? Right. Malik, I've, I've been high on Malik Willis for a while. I evaluated him in the offseason just because he was a – I know he was a polarizing player. Absolutely loved his tape. Before The day before the, the first practice, I had Robert Smith uh, take a look at one of his games just to, just to see if kind of our opinions lined up, see if he thought the same things because, like, I, like, I am much higher on him than the consensus to me. He, he really reminds me of Josh Allen coming out of the draft. I know we all see Josh Allen as like the finished product to see what he is now, but Josh Allen had a lot of detractors coming out of school. There were a lot of, a lot of critiques about his accuracy, um, flamethrower type quarterback. And like, th- those are the same type of things you get with, with Malik Willis. Like he, he has a huge arm, uber athletic. Like when he when he leaves the pocket when he like when he runs the ball like he he honestly runs like a running back and that, that's one of the first things that stands out to to you when you when you see him in person are his thighs and his calves like the guy is thick like he he's he's really built like a running back um and like you you saw that in at the senior bowl like his like his explosiveness running the ball like really stood out I I think he's gonna be a guy that tests really well probably a four 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 five type guy. Um, but he really stood out, especially in day two. Like it was, it was basically like a downpour. A lot of the quarterbacks were struggling to throw the ball. His ball was consistently cutting through the rain and the wind. Um, Carson Strong was a guy that also stood out in the rain. Uh, his ball was really cutting through. Kenny Pickett just struggled mightily on day two. Like I, like, I think the mainstream media really did a disservice for their job not talking about it. Like he, he looked awful in the rain like he just could not function he took off his left glove um that didn't really help obviously because like he's a right-handed throwing quarterback he, he had to keep the keep the glove on and just obviously like if you've ever been around football like you know that gloves just don't mix well with rain so like if you think about the midwest east coast teams even teams in florida seattle even if, if depending on what happens with russ um like you, you would have major, major question marks on if he's going to truly be your guy, if, like if he can't perform in bad weather, um, because I mean, that's, that's the thing, like in, in these big games, like you're, you're going to be outdoors, like there's going to be a ton of bad weather games. So getting away from the quarterbacks here, you know, at the beginning of the week in Mobile, when you started kind of watching practices going into the week, was there any prospect that wasn't on your radar and then kind of as you left Mobile, you're like, okay, that's someone that I certainly need to keep an eye on for the next two to three months. Uh, Calvin Austin would have been that guy, but Jalen Tolbert really stood out as well. I was aware of him, um, but he was, he, he was a dude down there. I know he, he's a local kid because he's from South Alabama, hometown kid. But, uh, yeah, he, like the, talking about like Christian Watson, how he carries himself as a professional – like Tober just carries himself at like with just swagger. Like, like he's just like he's just a guy out there, and it's just cool to see because because he's from a smaller smaller school, and a guy to come in with with all that swagger, like knowing that he belongs no matter what school he went to, was really cool. Uh, he's a he's a vertical receiver, plays much bigger than his six one six one inch uh, height, um, and he was consistently stacking the DBs. I think he would be a really, really nice fit with Justin Fields. Um, I kind of question where he's going to go in the draft just because, for me, he feels like a later day two guy. Obviously, the Bears have a higher day, a higher round two pick. Um, so, sorry, I said later day two. I think he's a later round two player. Um, so, you, you'd, you'd, you'd hope he'd fall to maybe round three or whatnot, uh, depending on what the Bears do. They might trade back in round two. Yeah, Tolbert was maybe one of the guys that was probably the highest on my radar going to the league because I just fell in love with uh, his game, kind of watch, going back and watching him this past year. 
Um, like you said, Brandon, I think his fit is seamless with Justin Fields being that vertical receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got obviously talk about the ability to uh, go above the rim, so to speak, and uses what size he does have to his advantage. But uh, he's got natural speed for the size he does have, and I think um, I'm very interested to see where he goes because, like you said, I think he's I think he's in that range where he's kind of in between being a second round and third round pick type of guy. So um, he might be a guy who might be a candidate to pick if the Bears would trade down in the second round. But uh, in the third round, I think that would be a really good value if they could get him there. Yeah, his his body control really stood out to me just like in person because like you like you see guys when they jump in the air, they're kind of they're kind of all out of control. But it, like it almost seemed like he was floating in the air every time the ball was on, it was it's like, it's one of those really weird things to see just in person, like see a guy just be able to completely control his body and just be so, so comfortable with the ball in the air. Uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, cer- certainly a name to keep out an eye out for, um, for the bears, especially um, as we get into deeper into this process here, obviously we'll see what wide receivers they had in free agency, but I mean, that's probably going to be a need in the drafts uh, when it's all said and done. Um, with that said, when we get to the senior bowl as a whole here, I know we focus on a couple of positions specifically here, but looking at the whole broad, um, outlook of the senior bowl this week, you know, who are some of the biggest winners and losers you think, um, from the senior bowl, you know, who helped the draft stock the most and uh, who were some guys that, you know, kind of really did do this, didn't do themselves any favors this week in terms of, you know, showing up for the NFL scouts and, um, putting on a good impression this week. So we talked about that three-tech position and that being so important for the Bears defense. Tavante Wyatt is a guy that really, really stood out. Uh, we watched him a little bit before Mobile, but, man, he was just he was just all over the place. Like, when he like, – like, his ability, like, high ability in his motor really stands out, and that's just one thing that, for me, doesn't necessarily stand out with, with defensive linemen just because, like, I just assume all of these guys are just running but he like he has some serious serious speed like you're looking for these 300 pound guys on the offensive defensive line to run below a five second 40 but like I can guarantee you he's going to run under five seconds he was like he was chasing down some of these quarterbacks um and I think he had he has versatility along the defensive line whether it be one tech three tech could maybe even play a little bit of five tech uh he's a guy that really caught my eye uh, I don't know if he's going to end up going in the first round. I don't know if he's going to end up making it to 39, but he definitely earned himself some money. Uh, as far as hurting themselves, I think Kenny Pickett is going to, I think a lot of the higher, higher top evaluators are making note of that. And I, uh, I think they're going to have some concerns. I, like, I just truly don't think that he's going to go top half of the first round. I'd be very, very surprised if he did. Another guy that really hurt himself was Bailey Zappi. And I say that, but like, I don't really think that he could do anything about it. Like he, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky, um, he just looked a lot different than the rest of the quarterbacks. Kind of didn't look like he he belonged almost like smaller. His arm really struggled. He really struggled in the rain, uh, really slow processor. Um, he was kind of overwhelmed. Probably going to go very, very late day three. I'd probably say he's probably more likely to go undrafted. So, what's your just general consensus regarding the 2022 draft class? Because I think what we've seen this year is that the draft class isn't as good as 2020 or 2021. And it's certainly a lot closer to like the 2019 draft class where kind of projections were just all over the place. Right. Um, I would, I would say at least like when we're talking about bears exclusively, like a lot of people aren't necessarily high as a draft as a whole. Um, but I think like the positions, the bears that need the most like offensive line help specifically, like maybe tackle depending on what they do with Jenkins and Borum uh, and wide receiver. Like they just have Darnell Mooney on the roster. That's the only guy they have. Like those are two positions that are really, really strong in this draft. And I think there's a lot of depth. And I think that's, that's something the bears can take advantage of in the draft, whether that be, trading back from 39, maybe acquiring more picks from maybe a Khalil Mack trade. Like, like that's just something that has been stuck in my head all week, just imagining them trading with, like, the Chiefs or something 
acquire another first round pick that could be very, very valuable. Cause I think this, I think this is uh, like a class that they could take advantage of as far as wide receivers go. Like just cause there's, there's so many guys like imagining Jameis, Jameis Williams being paired with Justin Fields after a trade of Cleo Mack. Like that's just something that like I'm galaxy braining that uh, one of the, like that, that pair just being something the bears could really thrive with. Yeah, I think getting any one of these wide receivers or Justin Fields, especially the guys who have some deep speed to pair mm-hmm. with deep ball, I think that's something that's going to be really appealing for the for the Bears uh, when we get to this draft here. And I think with any draft class, it's really what you make out of it, I think, in terms of you know just picking the right guys at the right spots that you have available to you. Because, you, you know, not all these drafts are going to be as strong as, as others. You know, we go back to classic, you know, loaded draft classes like let's say the 2011 draft class where you had like, I don't know, like a half dozen to a dozen like Hall of Famers in the first round. Like uh, mm-hmm. you just never know with some of these draft picks. And so I think having a plan for these guys is really the most important thing for every single player that you draft. And um, if you can attack position really well here, I mean, the Bears could, even with the limited draft capital they had, they, they do have an opportunity to set themselves up pretty well here. And it's just a matter of, you know, what their philosophy is for what they want to do with their draft picks. Uh, so our last question here, Brandon, before we get you out of here, uh, a less serious question here. So when I was down there in Mobile, uh, the senior bowl last year, uh, like I said before, it was a little bit weird with COVID protocols going on. Uh, didn't really, you know, I spent a lot of time in my hotel when I was in Mobile because, you know, didn't really want to go out as much with, you know, everything going on, obviously. And we still have some issues with that today, but I'm sure, um, you know, a lot more, easy going in terms of that aspect of things um, this time around for some of the protocols and guys wanted to get out and see the city a little bit during their off time. So I want to get your perspective here. What was your favorite bar or dine out spot in Mobile over the course of the last week or so? Uh, This is, (laughs) this is really easy. Um, We went to this Chinese place. I wish I remembered the name, Um, but it was literally the, the closest Chinese place uh to our to our airbnb and like if you if you like chinese you'd know that most chinese places are kind of exactly the same especially when you're talking fried rice and like i just i got this random seafood fried rice and just wasn't expecting anything and it feels weird to talk about it but like as soon as i put it in my mouth like it was mouth-watering food at this hole in the wall chinese place I was, I was absolutely like obsessed with it. I can't wait to go back, honestly. Like that is, it's going to be a, I'm, I'm not even sure if I'll be able to find it because I don't remember the name, um, but that's definitely going to be a place that I, I look to go back in future years. Yeah, if I ever had the chance to go back down to the Senior Bowl and get the Mobile one more time, that's, I, I'm going to keep an eye out for that because I do like myself some, you know, classic essential uh, quintessential uh, Chinese food, uh, authentic Chinese food, I should say. Um, I know uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, whenever I go down south of checking out, especially along the coast, checking out the seafood places down there because I'm not a huge seafood fan, but if you can get it uh, from a place where you're right on the water like that, um, it's always a good time right there. Uh, All right, Brandon, well, we're going to get you out of here for uh, today. Uh, For all of our listeners, you know, where can they uh, find you on social media and where can they uh, find some of your content and some of your work for uh, whatever you do with WCG and uh, things that you're working on currently moving forward. Right. So you can find me at B Rob NFL on Twitter, B R O B. I do rule of three podcasts at Windy City Green Iron. So you can find that at all your podcasting locations. I'm looking to get something out on Everflus here in the new, near future. So uh, be looking out for that. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Brandon a follow on Twitter. Uh, has a lot of great insight, especially on defensive back play. I've learned a lot of stuff from you, B-Rob, from uh, some of the little insights that you bring to defensive back play, um, some of your film coverage there. So uh, make sure to give him a follow. Make sure to check out his work coming up. Uh, Brandon, want to thank you once again for coming on today. Uh, have a good night, man. We hope to have you on again soon. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. 
the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So that was our conversation with Brandon Robinson over at WCG uh, discussing the Senior Bowl um, and his time and experience there and what he saw at the Senior Bowl. Um, so before we get into the final topic for today's podcast, you say, just looking back here, uh, what was some of the, you know, some of the bigger things that you heard from Brandon in terms of uh, some of the bigger takeaways from uh, this Senior Bowl week and some of the things that Brandon saw and, and how that relates to kind of what you were able to see from our limited time, uh, getting to see things on Twitter and, and online and stuff like that from the Senior Bowl. Yeah, you know, I think really my biggest takeaway was concerning the wide receiver and cornerback position because, like, I broke some of it down too. You know, some of the top names in this cornerback class include players like Andrew Boot, Derek Singley, Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. And then in terms of wide receiver, you have guys like Traylon Burks, David Bell, as well as, um, I believe, there's another USC wide receiver whose name is just completely slipping my mind right now. But I think the point is, is that the senior bowl kind of showed that, and we'll get into draft capital in just a moment here, but the senior bowl kind of showed that even though the bears don't necessarily have a first round pick, they don't have a fourth round pick either. These are positions, cornerback and wide receiver that they're not as deep as they've been the last two seasons or the last two NFL drafts, but there's certainly enough there to the point where, you know, if Ryan Poles in the scouting department and the Bears front office does their homework properly, that they can go ahead and they can find someone, a couple prospects here or there that are these mid-round picks that can eventually develop into starters. And, you know, really the cornerbacks one, I think is the most important of all, because when you go back and you look at Matt Eberflus's just draft history with the Colts, I think I mentioned this last week, but he didn't have a single first round defensive back on the roster. I mean, you could argue Xavier Rhodes, but Xavier Rhodes was drafted by the Vikings in 2013. He wasn't drafted by the Colts over that four year period from 2018 to 2021. Eberflus's secondary was basically made of, of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. And so I think that was real well for the bears in terms of, as they begin kind of this transition, getting younger on defense, they're going to need to rely on some of these guys on these rookie contracts over the next couple of years here, because whatever money is being subtracted to from, or from the defense is going to have to be used to invest in Justin Fields. And so certainly if the bears can find a cornerback here, like a McCreary that Brandon mentioned on basically a super cheap deal that turns out to be a stud, it's going to bode very well for the bears moving forward not just in terms of how you construct the roster, but also in terms of salary cut flexibility. Yeah. I think one of my biggest takeaways was that wide receiver position, like you kind of mentioned earlier as well. Uh, you know, I was glad to hear Brandon talk about Jalen Tolbert because uh, Tolbert was one of my guys going into the senior bowl. And I was glad to hear that uh, he played very well, but also a guy like Christian Watson, of North Dakota state, a guy who, Unheralded player. Uh, I know in a lot of mock drafts, he's kind of seen as a day three guy, but you know, the way Brandon kind of describes the way he played and what we've kind of seen the you know, hype machine kind of play up for this guy is uh, he might see himself be a day two pick, maybe even a second round pick uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the biggest thing with the senior bowl here is we get to see guys really solidify their status in front of NFL scouts, because for a lot of these small school players, this is a really important uh, event to see what they can do against higher competition because, you know, Christian Watson uh, probably not playing against too many, you know, NFL caliber cornerbacks um, at the FCS, FCS level, but at the senior bowl where you have some SEC guys, where you have guys from bigger conferences who's, who play a lot of games and are going to be drafted high um, in this upcoming draft, a good chance and a good showcase for him to really uh, show what he can do at that type of level. So, Really excited what I got to see and what Brandon kind of described from this wide receiver room. Got like Calvin Austin kind of doing his things as a slot receiver. Um, it, it makes you feel good about, you know, even though the Bears, they don't have a ton of resources and they need, they need more draft picks, which we'll get to in just a second here, which um, that's kind of a big storyline for them going forward to this draft. But it sounds like they have a lot of options at wide receiver and whatever route they decide to go to this offseason to address that uh, position. It sounds like there are, Definitely ways for them to improve upon the position and add talent to a unit that 
uh, desperately needs um, some more impact playmaker playmakers uh, going forward besides just having Darnell Mooney in there as that wide receiver, um, kind of that wide receiver one that he is right now, but probably better off as wide receiver two going forward. Um, all right, so let's get into, as we kind of segue away from the senior bowl here, let's get to the final topic here of our podcast. And that's kind of previewing what we're going to be having for our next podcast episode next week. Um, because, you know, with draft season, you know, underway here at the senior bowl, kind of kicking things off, uh, we have to get our first mock draft out of the way as well. Um, you know, as we get into this off season draft season uh, period, and uh, that's going to be what we're going to be doing for next week. But to preview that, we have to talk about uh, kind of the big storyline for the bears draft this year. And that's their lack of draft capital going into this thing and kind of previewing that. So when you look at the bears and what they have to work with here in this draft, um, Right now, they're currently, what they have is their draft picks right now. They have a second-round pick. They have a third-round pick. They have two fifth-round picks, and they have a sixth-round pick. And you look at, you know, how that came to be. Obviously, they don't have a first- or fourth-round pick because of the Justin Fields trade, uh, moving up to go get him in the first round in the last draft. I think that's a move that all Bears fans are completely fine with. So the lack of draft capital uh, from that aspect of things makes sense, you know, there. Um, you know, the fact that the Bears didn't try to add more draft capital uh, to kind of supplement that, you know, that goes back to the last regime, kind of not failing draft picks as much as other uh, front offices across the NFL. But, you know, you look at, you know, the rest of their situation here, two fifth round picks, they obviously got one of those picks is their own draft pick, but they also got an additional fifth round pick from making a uh, trade with the Houston Texans, if you remember from uh, before the season where they trade Anthony Miller to the Houston Texans and they swapped fifth, uh, the Houston Texans fifth round pick for the Bears seventh round pick. So that's how they came about to having two fifth round picks. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's not much, but it is helpful for them. Um, I know Ryan Pace isn't here anymore. So, I mean, the, the, the whole meme about him being um, a much better drafter in the fifth round than he is in the first round doesn't quite hold up now that Ryan Poles is in the building, but you know, the bears, they are an organization that has had success on day three, specifically in the fifth round. You know, I know some of their scouts, I'm not sure how they're going to be reshuffling their, um, their front office, but I would assume that they're going to be keeping some of their scouts that they've had on board um, in their scouting department uh, over the past few years. So I'm confident that I, at least I'm hoping that they continue to have uh, that success in the fifth round, but, you know, looking at, where they're at and kind of looking at this thing from a big picture standpoint, you said, you know, what are your thoughts when you look at their, the bear situation in terms of uh, the draft capital that they have going into the 2022 NFL draft um, with the offseason just around the corner here? Well, really it all starts with that second round pick and it's not just because the second round pick is the highest pick the bears have, but ultimately because the bears second round pick is basically the one pick that's going to allow Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus to even think about acquiring more draft capital. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, when you're talking about that round two pick, you can move a couple spots down the board and then, you know, gain possibly an extra third rounder, possibly another fourth or a fifth rounder, which could quite frankly bode well for the bears. In addition to keeping that second round pick, if they just decide to swap with another team, because there's always a team I think that is looking to move up into the top half of the second round. And the bears have been one of those teams too, in the past, you know, it's just like Ryan pace. He moved up from, I believe it was like 51 or 52 all the way to 39 to nab Tevin Jenkins. who A lot of people considered to be a, top 20 pick in the 2021 NFL draft the year before that I think the Bears were picking at like 40 or something or 42 and then what happened is Ryan Pace was on the phone with Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants trying to move up and grab someone there and I think the Giants were like the fifth or sixth picked in the second round so the point is that second round pick has clearly proven to be valuable just over the years but when you talk about where the Bears are at in terms of building their roster I think there needs to be kind of a quality over quantity approach, but also a quantity over quality really kind of goes both ways. I think if you're polls, you're looking at this and saying it's our first draft class. Most of this roster is not going to be here in three to four seasons by the end of the Justin Fields rookie contract. We kind of want to be able to have a good foundation in place in Justin as our franchise. So what do you do? You know, you start just acquiring draft capital and just adding, you know, 
day two as well as some day three players, some fourth, fifth, sixth round guys. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, when you look at most NFL rosters, they are composed of undrafted free agents and day three guys. And, you know, the Rams who are playing in the Super Bowl this weekend, by the way, they are a really intriguing case study here and a team that the Bears can kind of learn from because the Rams haven't had a first-round pick since probably 2016 or 2017. And they've kind of made it work here with day two and day three picks as well as undrafted free agents. Now, there's two reasons for that. One, Les Snead has a phenomenal scouting staff in Los Angeles, and they're just so good at picking out talent. Number two, their coaching staff, like Sean McVay, is able to just consistently develop talent. And so I know here in Chicago, whenever the Bears have a first-round pick, everybody's all hype, which is completely fine. But I also think that at the end of the day, when your front office and your coaching staff and your college department, you know, the college guys do their homework, then there's something to be said that arguably those day two and day three picks actually come more in handy in the short term than some of these high picks do not to discount any of the high picks. The high picks are certainly important, but some of these day two day three picks, if you do your homework right on them, they could turn out to be home run hires. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the core of your team is built. I mean, on day two of the draft and obviously you want to get star players in round one. I mean, that's where you find most of your star level talent is in the first round of the draft and the bears not having many first round picks over the last few years, you know, you definitely see the impact of that on the roster. You know, there just isn't as much impact talent going on here um, to really supplement the rest of this veteran roster. We have got guys like Kelly Mack and Robert Quinn um, and some of the older players here, um, you know, Akeem Hicks, who was here for, for such a long time, um, you know, they haven't had that star young talent outside of like Roquan Smith, you know, who was that young superstar upcoming player um, to really supplement that core group. And we just haven't seen that. And so, you know, you hope that, you know, next year when they have a first round pick that they can, you know, hopefully maybe find that guy uh, when they finally get that first round pick back. But, um, you know, when you talk about building up you know, the rest of your roster, finding, you know, your starters and building up your, the depth of your roster, you know, day two and early day three, I mean, those are the picks that really come in handy in terms of filling out that roster and building an overall team. Um, because even your first round picks, I mean, you're going to miss, if you're drafting well, you're going to miss on 50% of those picks. You know, 50% of those picks aren't really going to work out or be this kind of disappointing for you. So you got to be able to hit on day two and day three as well. And I just hope that Ryan Poles, he has the foresight to acknowledge that, you know, without a first round pick, um, his margin for error is going to be a little bit lower here. So, you know, what I hope I, he ends up doing is we see, you know, him look to trade down, look to maximize the draft capital that he does have to get more picks on day three and maybe an additional pick on day two and, you know, see what he can do with that because, you know, the bears, they aren't one player away. They have needs at multiple spots. Uh, they need to get younger at multiple positions. They need to fill out depth at multiple positions and they need to find ways to support their young quarterback uh, for the duration of his rookie contract. And uh, in order to do, do that, uh, you need to get young players in here that can come in and contribute um, in multiple different facets of your team. So, um, you know, it's going to be an, an important part of, you know, what the bears do here uh, with those day two picks, you know, are they going to trade down or not? Or do they stand pat and try to get an impact player? Um, all things that we're going to be discussing throughout this process. Um, I, I can tell you that uh, for next week's mock draft that we're going to be doing, we're, they're not going to be involving any trades. Uh, that's one thing that we can make for certain. So um, keep that in mind for when we go to our mock draft next week, but um, as this plays out, uh, be prepared for us to, you know, try to showcase some different ways that uh, this Bears front office can um, add more draft capital in some ways that they can trade down um, as this kind of plays out here in a little bit. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out in the end, though. Obviously, there's a ton of time to look forward to here between now and the draft. You know, the Bears could certainly find more ways to add some draft picks and draft capital as a whole uh, during the offseason period. Uh, a lot of moves are going to be made in free agency and we'll just have to see how it plays out in the end. Certainly a lot of excitement um, for this front office getting their first crack at it this off season. And we'll just have to see what they do in terms of that aspect of things going forward here. Um, but as for us here at picks for polls, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here today. Uh, make sure to follow us 
on social media at Pixel Polls on our Twitter account. I know it's a little bit different that we had the, now that we had the change uh, and rebrand the name of our podcast here. Uh, but make sure to like us on social media there. Make sure to mention, rate, review, and subscribe um, to our podcast as well. And make sure to do that on all podcasting platforms. Uh, as for you, you said, uh, where can our listeners follow you on social media and where can they find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal as well. And then you can just continue to read my work on the Bear Report. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Uh, Going to be having my first mock draft officially published on the Bear Report coming up. Um, it might be out by the time this podcast is published, but you know, we'll see on that. Make sure to check that out. And also make sure to check out, um, hopefully in the upcoming weeks, uh, the first couple parts of my mock offseason for the Chicago Bears for uh, the 2022 offseason. Uh, it should be a lot of fun to put that together. I did that for last year's offseason. Um, I, I had a ton. I had a really good time putting that together, um, looking at some of the moves they can make in free agency and the draft, clearing cap space. Um, if you want to get a deep, in-depth, deep dive for that, make sure to check that out as well when I eventually get to that. All right, so for all our Bears fans here, once again, I want to thank Brandon Robinson for coming on um, to talk some Senior Bowl with us. Uh, for all of our Bears fans, have a great and safe weekend, everybody. Um, and have a fun time this weekend, especially for the Super Bowl. Um, looking forward to that this weekend. Uh, stay safe, everybody. Have a great time watching the biggest game of the year and bear down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.